You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet After Dark podcast. We're going to take your calls, all of your calls, and by all of your calls, I mean a good portion, a third, a quarter, figure it out. We don't have any new callers, so we're just going to get started right off the top. We are still in Tuesday, so we got some some work to do, but the calls usually taper toward the end of the week, although I don't know that that's happening right now, so... uh as always, I will make you an empty promise and say that I will try to keep my mouth shut as much as possible. But uh, you know, you know how that you know how it is. Wait, wait, Sorry. nope, nope, played that one already. I think I might have skipped one, and if I skipped yours, I apologize. Let's go with uh, Zach here. Hey, Ryan, uh, Zach from North Carolina. Just calling. I heard your uh, analogy about you know having a heart attack, and so the doctor trying to tell you you're fine because you just did a physical as a metaphor for. Vaguely remember that. I have no idea what it was about, but please continue. Um, how we should be thinking about moving on from Matt LaFleur. Um, and I just oh, yeah. wanted to call. You know, I get the analogy, and I totally get that Matt LaFleur is probably his seat's starting to get warm, I think. Um, I don't think that's a good analogy, though, really. I think it's more like if we're using the doctor, you go to the doctor with a problem one year, 2019, um, and he figures out what's wrong with you and sends you home and you're fixed. And you go back in 2020, same thing. And then you come back in 2021, same thing. It's been a good doctor so far for you. And then you go in 2022 and you're sick and the doctor can't figure out what's wrong with you. So then you have to decide, is this still going to be my doctor going forward because he's been a good doctor to this point? Um, or do I go find a different doctor who might be able to figure out what's wrong with me now, um, but I don't have this history with, and I haven't. Basically, I guess what I'm saying is that I think that heart attack example is a little skewed, and the decision is more, you know, the person we know, do we think he's going to get back on track and has the tools to do that, or do we go out and gamble on the fact that there's somebody better out there? And Well, they're not really parallel analogies that we're making, so it's hard to kind of track what the difference is specifically, so it'd be better... 
for me if we just talk specifically. But the point I was making is you can't simply say, just because I was healthy yesterday, I can't be unhealthy today. Right? We're specifically talking about this guy went to the doctor. The doctor said, you have very serious issues. And you're like, nah, dude, no way. I was healthy before. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you were healthy before. You're not healthy now. Right? That's the analogy I was using. Is And it was about fans, specifically saying that we can't move on from Matt LaFleur because he was good in the past. That doesn't work. So, you know, I... I trying to figure out why ours would be necessarily different. I mean, it's, I could see them both being true. I don't even disagree with what you're saying or with what I said, because both are true. And in fact, you're kind of acknowledging that what I said is, is correct by saying that we at least need to acknowledge that maybe we need to move forward in the future. The point of the heart attack analogy wasn't to say you're having a heart attack and and you're going to die. And again, now, I don't think Matt LaFleur was even the doctor in my example. So that's where the peril, the analogies are not really connecting. But you're right. We do need to acknowledge that something is wrong and we need to make a decision. But I, again, a, a lot of times I think people think I'm, I'm definitively saying, like, we have to move on from Matt LaFleur. When, that's not what I'm saying. I'm specifically saying the one argument that is we cannot move on from Matt LaFleur because he won 13 games last year is flawed. I'm not specifically saying we have to move on from Matt LaFleur. I'm picking out one argument in one direction and saying that's wrong. So the fact that maybe we should move on, maybe we shouldn't, yeah, 100%. I I don't know if we should move on, but all I'm saying is you can't tell me that because he was good in the past, we can't get rid of him. That doesn't work. You know, I don't think it's that big of a gamble. There definitely has to be somebody out there, and sometimes change for the sake of change, like you said before, is enough to spark two or three years of buy-in. Um, but I get what people are saying. He's had success in the past. It's not. It's not about. Oh, that's not happening this year. So, but we want to lean on the past. It's more like a nervousness to just throw away the good results that we've seen and say. Uh, well, again, if you're going to change the argument, then the analogy doesn't work. I'm specifically talking about people who are saying that. Right, that he's not a bad because because you got to understand. I mean, I, I don't know who it is you're rescuing, <laughs> but I'm telling you that this is what people are saying. So the argument is he's not a bad coach, and I know that because he was good last year. That is the argument. So yeah, again, if you want to change it into something else, then we can have a different conversation about a different argument. But that's not what I was referring to—a different argument. I was talking about that argument. Uh, oh, we're sure that somebody else will be able to fix this because if he's not the issue and any coach... Because I agree with that. I am terrified of change. That's why I've always said I'm slow to kind of come around to stuff because I don't know how things are going to go and it makes me nervous. But again, very specifically, he's a good coach and I know that because he was good last year. That doesn't work. In this scenario with a quarterback playing poorly and... um with many injuries, etc., we'll be going through the same thing, then you don't want to move on from a coach who you think is good. But if the issue is this coach is particularly bad because uh, his leadership style or whatever is causing issues, then I think that's a conversation. So, all right, take care. Have a good one. Bye.
Yeah, and again, it's it's a very narrow scope that I'm talking about. This is not an all-encompassing argument that says Matt LaFleur should be fired today. That's not what I'm trying to do, um, and I'm not trying to argue with people that say maybe we should give him a chance or I'm nervous about moving on. That's all fine. Um, this is just a very narrow thing that I'm pointing out about people who argue with me saying, you're an idiot if you think Matt LaFleur is part of the problem because he won 13 games. And as you pointed out, it's not even about the wins, largely for me anyways. It's it's about other aspects of being a head coach that we need to at least consider are possibly lacking with Matt LaFleur. Maybe not. Maybe he's just being blindsided. He's got to work through this. I don't know. Again, not prescribing a firing. Simply saying that argument that He's obviously a good coach because he won 13 games three years in a row. That doesn't 100% hold up. Things are different now, and we need to be able to change what we're seeing and our understanding of things moving forward. And if we can't do that, we're going to be stuck in this forever. And that's scarier than any change that we could make. Hey, Ryan, Justin. Hey. Man, I picked a heck of a year to stop rooting (laughs) for Detroit and root for the Packers. Come to find out the Packers are worse than Detroit. I'm thinking this might be all your fault, but you're right. That is that is the worst thing. Because you specifically pointed out how your dad and your family or whatever was not going to handle that very well. And we're going to come down hard on you. And my whole thing was, yeah, but we're going to be awesome and Detroit sucks, so it's not going to be that big of a deal. And for that, I apologize. But what the heck? I just really stuck at picking kings to root for, I guess. I guess I always got the bills to lean on. There you go. Anyway, I work with horses a lot. We got like a three-strike policy. When a horse does something unprovoked, like bite or kick a kid, you know, that goes into like an investigation. And after three times of that, we get rid of the horse because they're not producing. Horse burgers? I feel like they should kind of do that with the Packers. Like, if they're supposed to produce and they can't, then they should just not play. Just feels like common sense to me, but I don't know. What do I know? I'm just the guy who can't pick a team to root for. Peace out. Yeah, I think fear prevents a lot of that. And I think every team, owners, GMs, um, head coaches, they all have a lot of fear of moving away from the things that make me feel safe. Um, I think the Packers are more fearful than a lot of other teams. It seems that way. Matt LaFleur in particular, maybe maybe not Gutekunst, I don't know. Um. That's just the the sense that I'm getting, but I think that is sort of a league-wide thing. There's a lot of fear. Um, I think fear of losing your job and and making a drastic change that blows up in your face that could cost you your job is is an understandable fear. And the other issue, the screaming. Always the screaming in this house, I swear. My my two-year-old is sick. I swear she's been sick for a month. She's got a sniffle or whatever, but she has just been... She went from being like the easiest kid to the absolute hardest kid. And it's been a month straight of nonstop screaming. She's mean too. You know, she's so bossy. And then you try to do the dad thing and you're like, no, I'm, I do whatever I want. I'm your dad and I'm stronger than you. You kidding me? I'll do, you can't do that. And then they scream more and worse. And you're sitting there going, is this worth it? Maybe I should just let her run the house. What do I really lose? What do I care? What do I have to lose anymore? Who cares? <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's an understandable thing to be afraid of that. And, and on top of that, okay, so we bench everybody that's not performing. We got 17 people left, not enough to even field a football team. 
and then they don't perform because they're backups and they suck even worse. Now what do we do? Now we look stupid because we got to start putting everybody back in. It's an additional issue. But on a small scale, sure. And you could make it a limited thing. You could call it a week or whatever, especially now that the season's basically over. But you could look at it, you know, there's that video. Hilariously, Kurt Warner did a video. I cannot believe that. Can't believe that I single-handedly said that whole thing and made up Kurt Warner. And then that day, he does a video that everybody's sharing all over the place. Anyways, if we learned anything from that video, is that Sammy Watkins is um, a big part of the issue with the offense. You could pick him out. You know, maybe maybe it's just like a scapegoat thing, you know? What was that Dwight was saying in, in World War II, the Japanese picked one person to execute to kind of consolidate power? I don't know exactly how that works, but I think that's what he said they did. I think every week you just got to pick somebody and just, uh, you know, you know, a lower level guy if at all possible. I mean, but if you lose, somebody's going to get it. Somebody's going to get it. I'm just saying things are bad. Why not get experimental, I guess? Hey, Ryan. Uh I was annoyed by the commentators in the game. They kept uh, blaming Rogers' picks on bad luck. All three of those interceptions were his fault. Um, they kept saying it was bad luck. The one hit the defender in the face mask, which I got to be honest too. That that video by Kurt Warner was making my skin crawl because it was like every time the receivers did anything wrong, it's like Rogers is that poor man is dealing with a disaster. Every time Rogers did something wrong, he's like, Man, I don't know. I mean, it was kind of a little something. It's hard to tell. I, can't really see what's going on there. I'm kind of going blind at this particular moment. Anyways, let's go on to the next play. It's driving me nuts. But yeah, there's uh there was a lot of that and 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 it, he he gets it from both ends. On one hand, he can't do anything right, on the other hand, he can't do anything wrong. And that's why the whole Rodgers thing for me is just becoming obnoxious. It it there there there's becoming no in between. Rodgers in and of himself is 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 politics. <laughs> And I know this is what we as humans do. We separate into teams and then we just get absurd and stupid in our teams and just say everything is exactly all the way to this side. And they're like, no, everything is exactly all the way to the other side. Um, but that's just what it's becoming with Rodgers. And yeah, I, I agree. It, it's, it's either every throw he's made is complete trash or every bad throw he's made is actually the receiver's fault. It's like, okay, this is this is not even fun to talk about anymore. I mean, it was, because for me, it's like, if I see something and people are wrong, I can't let it go. And I just, I keep going with it. But now it's gotten to the point of being so unbelievably absurd that it's like, I should just get out of here because I'm dealing with people that are not even trying to make sense anymore. Like, it's just getting so weird. It's not even just that it's angry. It's just, it's kind of getting, again, like politics, where it's like, I think everybody's kind of a zombie. Like, this is not even, we're not even trying to make sense anymore. This is just weird. Maybe if the guy had jumped or anything, the guy was standing and he hit him in the face mask. He didn't jump. He was probably even a little crouched because he was engaged with somebody. Like, the ball was so low. It's not bad luck. It's bad throw. Yeah, and, and, and again, if all those things are bad luck, it, Kurt Warner said on that other play, like, oh, that was, that was a perfect throw. It's a touchdown. It's just the defender just happened to make a really good play on that. It's like, no, it, it's not. He threw it where the defender could get it. That's what makes it a bad throw. When you, <laughs> every, not every pick, but a good portion of picks are times when the defender isn't just standing there and you hit the guy in the chest. Sometimes there's a defender that's too close and you don't throw it. And, and it's, it goes back to exactly what I said the other day. 
where if we're going to bail him out of all these interceptions, then he did, he's not allowed to get credit for all the times he didn't throw interceptions in the past. His touchdown-to-interception ratio, the low interception rates, those don't mean anything. He's not the best quarterback. He's the luckiest quarterback. The only way we can call him the best and highlight the interceptions, or lack thereof, is to assume that he has control over it. And now, to defend him, we're going to pretend like there is no control. No, he doesn't actually have control over any of this. And it's just like, the, the guy had a bad day. I don't understand why this is so hard to say. Even, even the, the throw to Ture, which was unbelievably underthrown. He, again, it's, it's, it was a good throw. You know, it's just one of those times the DB just makes a good throw. If the receiver slows down and has to reach backwards, it's underthrown. So yeah, I, I, bottom line is I agree. I, you know, and, and this happens all the time. I've talked about how announcers constantly drive me nuts with this stuff in general, not just about quarterbacks or whatever. That's probably true if it's a quarterback saying it, like if Aikman's calling the game. But the amount of times we've seen the announcers say things like, man, that was a great play by the DB there, and it was just a bad throw, you know, or or the receiver fell down. And it's like, come on, man, you can't give them credit for that, you jerk. Are you out of your mind? It just, I can't stand that. It drives me insane. They're all bad throws. Like you said, Bakhtari, wide open. Nobody behind them. Float that ball up there, and I'm sure Bakhtari would have caught it. Uh, even though I don't- it's, it's, I'm, On one hand, I'm tired of having the conversation, but at the same time, we shouldn't have to keep saying this. But it's just, it just, it won't go away. It won't stop. Like, if, if we could just say the guy had a bad day, we could move on. But we can't. I, I don't... I, I just, I don't know. I, I, something has to change because this is becoming absurd from all sides. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know how we do it's It's like the, the blue dress or the, the black dress or whatever, or white or whatever the, the colors were. Um, at some point, we just got to acknowledge we're seeing a completely different dress and just leave it alone, even though I was right about the dress too and I proved it. But um, it's actually pretty easy to prove. I just took a picture of it and analyze it on the computer you know there's websites and they'll be like oh yeah this is the color and i my wife saw a different color and i showed her and i'm like it's right there what color is that she's like it's blue but that's not that's not what color it is i'm like that literally that's literally a color picker on the computer it's blue it's not debatable it's that's the color that is no no that does. so i was right but the point is at some point we gotta just acknowledge that um we're not seeing the same dress and uh, we we can't even acknowledge what an interception is. We don't know what an underthrown ball is. We we and we just need to uh, ask the experts, you know, f- for everything. I think like during the game when there's a completion, we need to call up Kurt Warner and say, "Hey, was that ball actually caught? Because I don't know. I don't even know what I'm looking at anymore. Why did he drop it? No, he just caught it and ran out of bounds. But I I don't know anything anymore." So I'm just curious if you could just tell me what I'm seeing at all times. That would be wonderful. Well, I like throwing to him, but, you know, he probably would have caught it. And then that job streaking for a touchdown, underthrown again. Um, people talking about this being a slump and all. And I don't know. I, I think uh, Brady has kind of skewed things for everybody because he's ancient and still out there getting it done. But, I mean, Rodgers is Not turning anymore. 39 next month. Uh, but – can I just bring that up, too? Because I, I just said, well, Tom Brady's not anymore. Is there anybody saying Tom is actually tearing it up right now? 
I don't I don't know what's going on with Tampa Bay fans. Are there Bucks fans who are like, nope, Brady's actually awesome. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm just wondering if that's happening because I have no idea. Somebody somebody should go check in on Bucks Twitter and just say, are are you guys fighting about whether or not Tom Brady's playing football well, or is it just kind of well pretty well established that he's having a rough year? I'm curious about that. In fact, across the NFL, I'm curious about I mean, I know Lamar would be one of those guys where there's a huge disagreement about whether or not he's playing well or not, but I would assume for the most part it's pretty straightforward whether or not the quarterback is playing well or not. Um, you know, Manning, Far, uh, all these quarterbacks, by 39, if not sooner, I'll get Eli and some Ben. They didn't make it 39 even, but all these quarterbacks, you get 37, 38, 39, you hit that wall. Um, Big Ben hit a wall about as hard as I've ever seen. That dude went from, like, great to he's still pretty good to what in the world am I even watching? That was that was the – he was not even – and it's like because he's been, he stayed out there, but this was like – I don't know if you should even be a backup in this league, buddy. And I just haven't really heard anybody talking about the possibility that Rodgers has just hit that wall, that he, he obviously, you know, uh, his his – Hallucinogenics and you know whatever he did on top of the mountain aren't enough to keep his body going the way well Brady does with his diet and all to keep keep himself in top form. Rogers doesn't do that stuff, you know. I I, I think he's checked out too. He's you know like people have said, cashing that check. He's not worried about keeping his body in form, and I just think he's hit that wall. And I I don't see any way he doesn't retire after this. I mean, he ain't gonna come back, and I, he's not gonna want to start somewhere new for one year. You know, no, no nobody's gonna want him for what could be, you know, it's a one-year thing. and But, yeah, anyway, I kind of got off topic. The main thing was, I think he's hit that wall, that, that hitting that age. I think I think, I think Brady has made people not talk about that anymore. But just because he does it doesn't mean everybody can do it. Nobody did it in the past. So I think he's getting up there and the arm's falling off. And I don't know. I, I kind of hope his thumb just gets broken and then we can see love the rest of the year. Not that I – I want to get hurt. I want to sit him down, but they're not going to sit him down, so – you know, obviously the thumb, maybe that's a problem too. I don't know. I don't really know what's going on with the thumb. They don't say it's just about a thumb issue. But uh, yeah. Anyway, disappointing year. I'll keep listening. Go back, go. Yeah, I, um, one of the things I thought of was something that I would agree with largely, depending on how we phrase this, with a lot of the Rodgers defenders, and that is that nobody could work with this offense because it's so dysfunctional. I can almost get on board with that with a slight change, and that is Rodgers can't work with this amount of dysfunction. I don't think it's... I, I, I just... I, I, I'm willing to accept that the decline in Rodgers' play, which we can't even get to that point in acknowledging that there is, but the decline in Rodgers' play is because of all the problems with the offense, right? Okay, that's fine. But I don't think it's true that nobody could do this. Especially, I mean, when you look at the specifics, right? We, first of all, a lot of underthrown balls. That has really nothing to do with dysfunction. Bad decisions doesn't have a ton to do with dysfunction. It can, doesn't really necessarily have to. But then the big one that has been driving me nuts all year is the inability to pull the trigger. Just not doing it. Playing scared, getting happy feet. Um, a lot of quarterbacks don't do that. And a lot of quarterbacks would be willing to stand in the pocket and throw the ball. And I think 
you know, there are probably some quarterbacks that work better in dysfunction than others, and I don't think Rodgers is one of them. Now, that is to say, maybe Rodgers could still thrive if the if he had a good offensive line and some good receivers and a, a good scheme and a good everything around him, like he could just tear it up. Yeah. But he can't make this work. And this is what we have. So I'll, I, I'll say that either of those are options. It's because everything is collapsing around him. It's because he's getting old. It's because of his thumb. It's because of whatever. I don't know. But it is real. It is happening. And I don't accept that nobody could do any of these things, like just stand in the pocket and throw the ball or whatever, which was in Kurt's video also. I don't accept that nobody could do that. I will accept that Rodgers cannot. It's not how he operates. So, is what it is. Hey, Ryan, this is Garrett. Hey, I never thought that we would be in a place where, after losing to Detroit, that we would actually be the slump buster for all the other NFL teams. <laughs> we really we're are. in a place now where I won't say that we're ready to put on paper sacks for uh, headgear instead of cheese heads, but it's getting close to the point where I'm sure fans are going to show their displeasure especially this next week going against Dallas Cowboys and homecoming for Mike McCarthy. It might be one of those home games where the entire game the fans are booing, and you won't be able to tell when Dallas is on the field or Green Bay is on the field. There might be just that much booing going on. I just never thought we'd be in a place like this, and it's going to be very interesting to see how that game transpires. I'm out. Well, we'll see. I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself and assume that this is a massive blowout. Again, if, if you look at the whole DVOA point prediction thing, the, the score prediction is, you know, roughly based on what the teams have done so far this year, you know, the expectation is roughly like, what, 14 to 23 or something to that effect? Uh, 17 to 23. I think those are the two different options. So, I, you know, I... I Again, I don't want to go too far in any one direction, and that includes being too doom and gloom. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't expect to win, although I, you know, said the same thing. I've I've been wrong pretty much every week. Like, oh yeah, it's going to be bad, but we'll probably win. Um, I guess I haven't been saying that all week, but or uh, every week. But uh, I did last week, and maybe that's the case this week. But I don't know. I I I just I don't want to get to that point where we're saying it's going to be such an epic disaster and the fans are going to be booing and they're going to wear bags on their heads and everything else. It's like uh, let's let's just take it a step at a time. Let's see what we can put together. Let's see if we can keep it competitive. If we can't win, can we keep it close? Can the offense stick together? Can the defense stick together? What can we do? Can we score? How many times can we score and what can the defense do? You know, I mean, I I mean, I'm 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 not optimistic for the season, but I'm not quite to that point where it's I'm I'm thinking that the team's going to get booed out of the stadium this week. But I don't know. I guess I this is all kind of new territory. We'll see how it goes. Hey, and one other note: all of you that think um, getting maybe a top five pick uh, is the only way to look forward to next season, um, I don't want to give you a dose of reality, but I lived through the 70s and 80s, and they picked a lot of first-rounders, and a lot of them ended up being not real contributors. There was a few, but uh, I only have two words to say. <laughs> Tony Mandarich. We passed on Barry Sanders. 
we pass on Deion Sanders. And there's always room for mistakes. I'm not saying Goody will do that kind of brain fart when it comes to who they pick in the next draft, but I am not putting my hope and faith in the next pick. It's one person. Yes, they can make a difference. Yes, they can maybe change uh, the team's uh, trajectory, but it's just one player. There's a lot of other things that are going to have to be changed. I'm out. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, I think there's different facets to why people might want what they want. Um, I think for me and a lot of people like me, it's just it's just excitement about different things. Um, always excited about the future, whether it's we're, we're doing great or we're doing bad. And so the draft and things like that, it's just the way we're wired. It just kind of gets us excited. So, you know, I, I would just say let people be excited, um, depending on what it is that they're actually saying. Uh, the other is quarterbacks. If you're looking for a quarterback, you probably need to be in that range if you're actually going to get one. And, and you can. And, and you know, the if you wanted to get excited about the future and, and, and getting that quarterback, this could be that opportunity to get that guy. I, I personally don't think so, but what do I know? Um, the only other note that I would make, you mentioned uh, Mr. Tony Mandrich. You also said we passed on Barry Sanders, Deion Sanders, and uh, what was it, Elway? I think was in that same group. They were all in the top five though, weren't they? <laughs> or Troy Aikman and Troy Aikman went number one. In fact, four of the top five, I think are uh, hall of famers, Troy Aikman, Barry Sanders, Derek Thomas, and Deion Sanders. So again, you're right. There are no guarantees, but at the same time, you look at the rest of the class only one other person outside of the top five is in the hall of fame. That's Steve Atwater who went at number 20. Four out of the top five are in the Hall of Fame. Now, this is a pretty unusual and rare situation. I don't think it usually breaks down this way. But still, it's worth noting that's where the, stu- the, the studs and the stars are, generally. Like, if you're going to get a, a, a Barry Sanders, or, I mean, I don't know, Barry Sanders isn't going to go... Even today, Barry Sanders wouldn't have gone top three because it's just the way that NFL is wired. But a, a Deion Sanders, a Troy Aikman, a Derek Thomas, these guys are not... You're not going to find him in the late first round. But, yeah, I, I more or less agree with you. Uh, my final thoughts today uh, as Tuesday is National Get Out the Vote Day, and I'm just wondering if Packers fans had an opportunity to go to the polls and vote for Rodgers or vote for Love or vote for LaFleur to keep their jobs or another coach maybe to take the job. I'm just curious right now what the pulse would be in Packer Nation when it comes to who they would want and uh, who they would get rid of. I'm just curious what your vote would be, Ryan. I'm out. Well, I'm definitely not putting that on Twitter because I'm not going to deal with the repercussions of that. But um, so, so it's vote for Rodgers, for Love, for LaFleur. Who gets to keep their job? Or another coach maybe take their job. Looks like, it looks like that's what Google says you said. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it really is hard to say. And, and it, it's, it's not just a matter of stay and go. It's, it's okay, if you're going to stay, what's going to be different? Right? Okay, Roger stays. Great. What's going to be different? Right? Even if we concede, well, it's, it's, he's only playing bad because everybody else around him is, is also playing bad. Okay, what's going to be different? Well... Guys need to start playing. Well, that's true today. 
But does anybody think that's going to happen against Dallas? No. So we can sit here and talk about what should happen all we want. Explain to me why we should keep Aaron Rodgers and his contract and everything that comes with that on this team if we're going to get the same result. Or explain to me how we're going to get a different result. If you can do either of those two things, we can talk about it. If you can't, it's time to go. And that means either force retirement or trade him. And by force retirement, it's pretty straightforward. Again, you tell him that we are moving on. And if he says, no, you're not, I'm staying, and I will torpedo any trade deals that you try, then you basically, again, say, well, that's fine, but you will not be starting for the Green Bay Packers. So, your move. Maybe he'd do it, I don't know. But that's, that's, that's where I stand. I, I, I just need a reason. Give me a vision. Show me, show me the path in which we should continue on this trajectory that we're on, this, this very negative trajectory. Is it something we're going to do in the draft? Is it something we're going to do with the coaching staff? Is it something we're going to do in free agency, which we really can't because, again, we don't have a lot of money? And on top of that, if you keep Rodgers, it makes it harder to get rid of anybody else. You don't want to tear down anything else. You can't get rid of David Bakhtiari and make the team worse. Get rid of like his best friend on planet Earth and Randall Cobb. So we got to keep Randall. We got to keep Bakhtiari. We got to keep everybody now. Good Lord. What's the vision? I don't know. Uh, Would love keep his job? Yeah. I mean, until we know for sure. And, you know, like I was talking about on Twitter today, maybe the Packers do have a pretty good idea. I don't know. But you're asking me, and I, I don't have a good beat on it. I mean, I, I'm putting his odds of being a really good quarterback at like 2%. I mean, you, you take the really low percentage that it already is, and you add in the fact that every time we've seen him, it's really been lacking in anything desirable. And, uh, you know, 2% might be generous at this point, but we'll call it 2%. But yeah, I, I would need to know, which is why I'd like to get it out of the way this year so we don't have to call next year a completely wasted year and just a pure evaluation year let's find out for sure this year so we can move on next year but again maybe the Packers already have that determined I don't know it's hard to imagine that they do because it seems as though they hung on to him this year I mean I I guess there's no real reason to cut him but but they kind of seem to want to push him into that role of being the number two and taking a more prominent front and center role is there something that happened in the preseason that gave him the final I don't know I don't know you would think you'd want to see him in the regular season a little more, but what do I know? And as far as LaFleur, yeah, I mean, he, he similar to Love, let's just give it time and see what's going on. So that would, that would be my thought. With, with Rodgers, I don't see the vision moving forward. I mean, he, he's here now and we suck. So show me how we fix this in the very limited time that he's going to be here. Um, and for Love, it's, it's, I don't really think it's going to be great, but let's just make sure. And then for Lafleur, it's I really, really hope that this isn't his fault and everything's going to be fine and, and we can move on and not have to worry about firing him. But we also need to be sure. Uh, why don't we go ahead and take a break and uh, we'll come back on the other side and try to rip through some more of these calls. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, 
kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, Ryan. Steve up in Alaska. Hey. Out hiking in the in the woods on a lightly snowing day. We're finally getting a little bit of snow on the ground, which is good. We need to get some. Such a man. Uh, but I just uh, figured I'd call in. I wasn't actually going to because I saw you had 30-something callers on the, <laughs> the Monday Packer uh, right, Net after dark. You call so in. So I figured it'd take you a little time. So I figure I probably won't hear this until Friday or Saturday. Oh, you're good. <laughs> you're but good. the point is, <laughs> I was listening to you guys and, and what everybody's saying about Rodgers and what you were just saying at the at the point in time when I paused it about how Rodgers isn't our superstar anymore and, and that the running game was doing well, that there were some negative plays, which, by the way, big negative loss plays are generally not the running back's fault. They're the right. offensive line. Right. He's getting fault. hit. So if our running backs are getting positive yardage and then getting blown up behind the line, right. that's a lot of the offensive line. That's inconsistency from the offensive line. But to go to my point of reference is, you know, something that Rodgers isn't getting in, I don't think a lot of us are paying attention to, is the fact that, you know, as a player declines, especially quarterbacks, he's got to rely on the other players around him. And like you said, too much passing. We 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 passed... What, two-thirds of the plays? It was 40-something pass plays? Well, that is a very good point because apparently what we're seeing now is Rodgers is frustrated because his receivers suck. So why are we throwing so much? Why are we doing that? Right? They're the ones not getting it. They're the ones that are just struggling and causing you headaches and, and problems. So let's run the ball, right? That makes sense to me. The 20 run plays? That's just that's just awful. And like you said, we weren't ever down by more than eight points. You know, if, if you look at some of the greats out there, somebody that's comparable to Aaron Rodgers, um, John Elway. All right, he was talked about in his time having the best arm ever. He was the most fabulous quarterback anybody ever seen. He was so amazing, and he didn't win any Super Bowls until the end. And the ones he got at the end, he wasn't the best player, and he relied on his running game. And he relied on his defense to do its job. And he took the plays that he was supposed to take and made the plays he was supposed to make. And then once in a great while, he did something fantastic that reminded you of the old, yeah. you know, John Elway. And, you know, if Rodgers got back to being more like that kind of player, then I think we'd be a much better team. But I don't think he'll do it. I think he's got too much ego, and that's why I've been going all year about letting him go. We need a guy in here that's going to be a team player and not a high player. So, uh, yeah, you guys all take it easy. We're on our way to our high draft pick. I've been calling it. Get ourselves a high draft pick. Only, only two more games that we got to worry about really the rest of the year. All right, guys, take it easy. Go pack. Yeah, I think I've touched on it pretty thoroughly. So I appreciate the insight, Steve. Let's get to Seth in Iowa. Hello. I was thinking uh, Christian Watson, I don't think he's injury prone, but his concussion, both hits looked similar. 
and that he uh, he's flying fast, and then he kind of lowers his head. Yeah. Wondering maybe somebody just needs to teach him how to get tackled a little bit better at that speed. I don't think lowering your head is a good idea when you're moving that quick and that much impact. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, I think there's more to being injury prone than just like having bad muscle fibers or how, however that works or having genetic issues. I do think that there can be something like that. Um, I think there are certain people that have avoided injury because they're just very instinctive in terms of, you know, when you fall or whatever, there, there's a certain way you're supposed to do it. L- let me, let me give you another example. It might give me a little bit of trouble, but hopefully my wife doesn't listen. My wife gets hurt a lot. And there are a lot of her injuries that are fluky, but you would say it's not her fault. I mean, it's just, that would happen to anybody, except I don't think it would have. Um, I think, for example, she has terrible reflexes. <laughs> and I think I have probably averted many trips to the emergency department that my wife didn't, just because I have slightly better reflexes. For example, she has broken her toe like three times because a toy has fallen off the counter onto her toe. Now, it's kind of surprising that it actually broke her toe, but the point is, I've had things fall off of things all the time. I, mean, I have knives falling off the counter, and it doesn't go through my foot. You know why? Because I pull my foot, foot back in time. Another time we had to take her because she gashed her hand open because tinfoil fell out of that thing above. You know how above the stove you got this avalanche waiting to happen all the time? Well, those tinfoil things have teeth. And she put her hand up, and it, you know, I mean, again, it's it's a fluke thing, but it's also somewhat avoidable depending on what your brain tells you in that second to do. And so I think that there's something kind of there with Watson as well. And especially when he's playing at that speed. And let's be honest, he's a smaller dude. He really is. I mean, he you could you can pick him out of a lineup because he's the tallest guy, but he's also the kind of the scrawniest guy on, on the team. So I don't know that his body's necessarily built to handle massive blows, and he's getting hit harder than everybody else because of how fast he's moving. So you couple that with, yeah, the the way that you brace for impact. And I, I think a lot of the times when he has been tackled, it looks kind of ugly. I mean, in terms of like early on when he wasn't getting hurt because he kind of just came to a complete stop and looked like he was just scared of getting hurt. I don't think that's good, but at least he wasn't getting hurt. And and now that he's kind of, you know, going a little bit more full speed, it's kind of causing problems. I, I don't know how you coach that necessarily or what he's supposed to do, but I do think that there's probably something to it. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of people saying it's ridiculous to blame him. It was a complete fluke. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not his fault that he got hit, but there may be something to, you know, some kind of technique to protect yourself in terms of, you know, trying to make sure that the, the contact happens here or however it is. Um, in fact, there was, who was, there was a quarterback that, um, I think Matt Corral might've been the guy, but uh, Cam Newton is, is, is also a very good example of this. Cam Newton his ability to take hits in ways in which there was really no real impact was incredible to me. And I'm sure he's taken some big hits in his, in his day, but there are so many times that I remember him just driving me nuts and you just hope a defender just, just gets a good hit on him. I'm not talking about hurting him. I'm just saying you just, you know how you you hit him dead on and just create that pop. Nobody ever hit this guy dead on just the way he went and and he handled the angles and everything else so that when you hit him, you kind of just got him going away or you kind of grazed off him or whatever. And it just, they wanted to get that good hit, but it just never really quite got there. 
So I do think that there's something to this. I don't know if coaches understand it at all or if anybody understands it enough to teach it to guys, but I think it's something that should be learned and understood and taught. Um, certainly some injuries are complete flukes and, and, and completely unavoidable. You, know, like you, you get rolled up on and your knee pops or your ankle pops. There's nothing you can do about that. You know, uh, maybe there is. Coach on probably knows, you know, shuffle your feet or something. I don't know. But, um, you know, I, I, I do think that there's a possibility that there's something that he can do to minimize the chances of injury. Second thought. I am wondering, uh, we keep talking about like a rebuild for the Packers and and uh, a lot of people, of course, and I'm thinking maybe it should be more of a retool than a rebuild. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is if you're going to do a full rebuild, you'd be selling off everyone for draft picks, resetting your whole cap. You'd be getting up, getting rid of Rashawn, yeah. uh, Jaw, you know, Elton, anyone that was paid a lot and or is not super young. I don't think we need to do that. We got a lot of good pieces, so I think we should do more of a retool, but I know it's a hard line to draw, so I don't know, just a thought. Love to any feedback or thoughts you have on that. Yeah, I agree. I, I think um that's more or less what I've been kind of trying to propose, I guess, and and I've mentioned a couple times to other people when when talking about a rebuild because I, you know, it's semantics. Um, I agree, we need to do a rebuild, but what does that mean for us? And honestly, I, I don't know that. I mean, you can do a full rebuild if the theory behind the rebuild is to cut off the lofty contracts or the the players with hefty contracts that are not a part of your future and build around the younger guys. We can still do that. It just so happens that the core of our team happens to be the young, talented guys with a few kind of older, more expensive players that maybe would make more sense to move on from. So the formula works the same. It just looks very different. It looks more like, as you said, a retool as opposed to a complete uh, teardown and rebuild. Hey, Mr. Slip. Hey, Mr. Um, Potato Head. Listen to your Packnet After Dark. Um, about doom and gloom, and there should be. But as far as everyone talking about, they just want to try and get that first overall pick. Man, the last thing I really want to see is a bunch of grown men go out there and not give any effort at all. So as long as the Packers are still playing hard, I'm still going to be watching and cheering for them. Um, if they just give up, then then I, then I know I'll give up on this season too. But as long as they're going out there and they're competing and they're trying to win, I'm all for it. Anyway, have a good one. Bye. Yeah, there's so much gray area in terms of what what everybody means when they say all these things and, and, you know, properly, perfectly defining what you mean when you say this. And I don't know if anybody even fully thinks it through all the way. I I know I don't. But, yeah, I, I would say that there's a, a large portion of the fan base that would agree that although they want a high pick, they don't want it at the expense of the team. Um not trying, I guess. Not not that it's a, a, a ton better that they're trying as hard as they can and can't do it. But uh, yeah, I think that is a fear. It's a fear for me also. Um, I think as far as the first overall pick thing, and, and maybe I'm wrong. I've been talking about this a lot about how you know we keep saying we want things and then we get it and it doesn't go the way we want and people still refuse to change their mind. So it's entirely possible we get a high pick. It's a disaster. And then next year we say we want the same thing all over again. But I'll say this. Let's just let people, myself included, get it out of their system. We never get this. And and you got to understand, too, 
because a lot of fans could not care any less about the draft. It's just a it, it's it's a piece of the NFL season. For a lot of people like me, the draft is its own event. I love the draft almost as much as I love the NFL season. So getting a high pick in the draft, which the Packers never get, is such a cool thing to be able to possibly get one of these awesome prospects. And I know that doesn't make sense because it doesn't even make sense as it's coming out of my mouth. I'm just telling you it's a real thing. And I'm just telling you that because I understand how if you don't care about the draft, this would be really annoying to hear people talk about it. Um, but again, I, I would just say to, uh, to give us a little bit of leeway on that. <laughs> All right. Still love the team. But if it so happens that, um, that the season doesn't go well and we do get a top five pick, there's going to be some excitement on our part to be able to enjoy because the draft process is very long and the NFL offseason is very long and, and that draft process is a huge portion of the offseason process. And um, it's, it it's going to make it so much more fun. Um, the draft, which is, is such a fun thing for a lot of people, it's just it's going to make it one of the most exciting draft experiences for a lot of people. Um, so just just keep that in the back of your mind. I know I know for a lot of people it doesn't matter and it's annoying that people keep talking about the draft, but that is an element of this whole thing. Hey Ryan. Hey. So this season turned itself upside down. Uh a lot of thoughts on Rodgers. Um and I'm not too quick to blame Gutekinds and LaFleur because I don't think this is necessarily their fault. I think uh, Rodgers almost needs to pull a Big Ben and just say, you know what, this is the last go-around for me, and he can play the rest of the season that way. And I can get on board with that and say, hey, he gave it a shot. He did all he could do, and he's just playing out the rest of the season. But that's not what Rodgers does. He's going to wait till the end of the season, give us a month or two of him thinking about it. And it's going to be painful to see him want to come back um, for his comeback season. I'll say this, and, and I haven't even thought about this. It's not impossible that he does make an announcement before the season's over. Um, you know, he's very strongly considering retirement. I don't think anybody expected this. It kind of reminds me of what I was talking about either in this one or if maybe it's tomorrow's podcast. I don't, I can't keep him straight anymore, but, um, about Gutekunst kind of, you know, there, there's going to be a point where the season comes to a close and it's probably going to be not too far down the line when we are officially eliminated from the playoffs and everybody understands this is it. And I think there's a lot of defensiveness and there's a lot of, you know, Rodgers is still in, we can't give up mode, but but there's going to be a moment where you let go and you're going to realize, okay, this is done. And Rodgers is going to have to, not have to, but he, I think he's going to shift his focus a little bit. You know, he's going to be upset. You know, he obviously didn't want the season to go this way, didn't want anything to be the way that it is, and is going to have a lot of people he's upset with and all that. But, but there's going to have to be a coming down period. Um, and it's unlikely, but it isn't impossible that Rodgers is going to see it for what it is and just say, I think this is it, I'm done. Now, is there a benefit to him doing that? I don't know. Um, maybe maybe it'll be to 
make it final. Probably, I think the biggest reason why that probably won't happen is because he always talks about how, you know, when it's football time, I, I like to focus on football and I don't even want to let my mind go there yet. But but again, we're talking about the season is basically done. And um, would he allow himself to go there? And then would he tell anybody if that was the case? I don't know. But I, I, I wouldn't 100% rule it out that if this thing does wind down and if we end up getting eliminated, that maybe he would make some kind of an announcement. It's, it's We'll give it a small percentage, but it's there. Um, LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst, I think at this point, had to give the keys to Rodgers after two MVP seasons. Yeah. And there's nothing more they can say because this is Rodgers' team. This isn't their team. They didn't – they created – what they wanted, but Rodgers has the stamp of approval on everything. And everyone was okay with that when he was MVP. Yeah. And now that he's not, we want to just put in love, which I would love to put in love, but I just don't see it happening until either the end of the season or if we're completely out of, completely out of uh, the chance to make, the playoffs, which mathematically, I think it'll be a game or two, and we'll we'll be out of it. And at that point, if we could put in love, that would be great. But yeah, other than that, Rogers, just say the words, and we'll give you the the farewell tour, and that'd be good. I know he listens, so hey, I'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, th- I think when things are when things are looking good, all the decisions you make are great, and when they're not, you look like an idiot, right? The Packers turned over the keys to Rodgers, and everybody said, well, that was brilliant. And then when the team started losing, now it's like, well, maybe that was stupid. Um, that's just the way it goes. And and you kind of have to do that a little bit because something is wrong. Um, it's not to say everything you're doing is wrong, but you have to. You, you certainly can't say that everything's right. So it's just a matter of, what is, what isn't. Um, we've got a bunch of Tom Austin here, so I want to go some rapid-fire Tom Austin questions, if we can, to try to get caught up and um, have a little bit of fun, hopefully, because Tom's good for that at the end of the show here. Hello, Ryan. Hi. Uh, you've great show so far, but I'll take it from here for a minute. Okie doke. Uh, hello, listeners. Um, been, football has been looking kind of sad recently for us Packer fans, uh, I invite you to join me on Xbox at Thompson17, it's my gamer tag, where we can play games and just have fun. I'm on almost every night around 10 Central PM. It's a little late, but I'm sure some of you can handle it. Let's just get out there and have fun. A little distraction from the crap that we've been watching. All righty. Back to you, Ryan. Bye. Well, thank you so much, Tom. Um, that was, I'm not positive, but Google says that was Costa 17, C-O-S-T-A-1-7. I would also invite you to uh, hang out with me playing StarCraft, uh, Pack Daddy 11473. But, you know, that's up to you. You figure out what you want to do. Um, <laughs> maybe you've been playing... A little bit of StarCraft here and there. Not much, obviously. Very busy. That last call 
that you just answered, uh-huh. you did a fantastic answer. That was I. That was wonderful. Thank you so much. But I got a little something, a little word association. Let's do this. I'm going to say five things, and you don't have to give like one-word answers. Just give me your first initial thought. Okay. First thing that pops into your head. Number one, I'm going to start off Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I, the first thing that popped in my head is a picture of his face. So I, I don't, I don't know if I understand the game. Um, like a word, a word that I think of. Um, the well, the the first one that popped up is frustration, but you got to understand that that is all encompassing. <laughs> that is not just frustration with him. It is just uh, when I think about Aaron Rodgers at this point, I just get miserable. Because that's just kind of what everything is right now. It's miserable. Everything surrounding Rodgers is miserable. Number two? So maybe miserable is a better word. Packers defense. Packers defense? A word? Sloppy? Number three? Who do you think is going to make it to the Super Bowl? Super Bowl. It's a terrible year, so it'll probably be what would be the worst case scenario. Um, Chiefs, Cowboys, maybe something like that. Four tacos. Um, delicious, I guess. Five. Any Patrick Swayze movie. Um, I can, I really only can think of Point Break, and Point Break is an amazing movie. So, I mean, cheesy comes to mind, but but I don't know that to be the case. I, if I had to characterize what I think most Patrick Swayze movies are, that's kind of it. But all I really know is Point Break, and that is an unbelievably good movie. I love that movie, and Patrick Swayze is fantastic in that movie. All right. Love to hear it. Bye. All right. I failed that miserably, but but I appreciate you trying, Tom. Let's do another one. Give me All another, right. give me another Thomas, shot. Thomas Austin Show. Hey, uh-huh. Thomas Austin. Colin, Thomas to Austin get your thoughts because I'm too lazy to look it up myself. Well, I'm not looking but it up. how are our tight ends doing? Fine. I noticed that... Uh, <laughs> 70.2 overall get, grade. Their name's called out a lot. They really when don't. I'm listening to the game or watching the at game. At all. And I'm kind of curious as to why. We know Rogers loves to throw the ball a lot, even when he shouldn't a lot. Uh, but I'm just curious, you know, he likes to just throw it. Why not go after the tight ends who can Because the tight ends uh, attack the middle of the field and Rogers doesn't like to throw in the middle of the field. I made that up off the top of my head, but it makes sense to me. That's the ball. I just feel like that's a good thing to slow down the people who are like, oh, Rodgers has no weapons around him. And the people who are like, oh, man, Rodgers just, you know, wings it up there to whoever. The closest ball catcher to him off the line, I, I, I just don't get it. Is it a him thing? I doubt it's a scheme thing. I feel like that's right up the floor, Valley. Right. Oh, yeah. Love the tight ends. Rogers does too, though. Um, 
Yeah, I mean that that's the only thing I can really think. I mean, I, I I'm picturing in my mind the play. I think it was on that video of Kurt Warner. Um, of actually, there might have even been two times when it was uh, the tight end where he's coming free. In fact, it it was because one of them I'm looking at it going, eh, I don't know if he should have thrown that, but according to Kurt, he should have. So that was when he critiqued Rodgers, and I'm like, eh. Feel like that's a pick, and considering you said that he threw another great ball earlier that ended up getting picked, I don't know if I trust you. Um, but there was a, another one after that where it, it was very clear. I mean, he the 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 play went exactly as it was supposed to. Raiders he, as he pokes around the corner, he should have just unloaded the ball and it's Tunyon wide open. And so I I don't know. I'm not. I'm I'm kind of making that up. Um, Actually, I can look it up in terms of percentages. How many times does it go in the middle of the field? So if you look at the deep portion of the field, left, center, and right, deep center is utilized the least. 3.2% of his passes are deep center compared to 38 and 8.5% deep right. Um, intermediate, he likes the center of the field. 7.3% in the center of the field, 3.2% to the right, 1.9% to the left. Short portion of the field he likes the center of the field, 19.9% compared to 11 and 10.1 on the left. And then behind the line of scrimmage is actually also center is the most, which is kind of odd, but I'm guessing we're talking like jet sweeps and stuff. I don't really know. So um, I guess that doesn't work too well, unless we're just talking about deep throws, 20 yards or, or more down the field. But uh, the whole center of the field thing, even the grades as far as like how good he is, is not even... I mean, it is. Intermediate, he's great as far as center of the field. Everything else is pretty... Uh, no, that's not, that's not true either. I don't know. I don't really know what's going on with the tight ends. Um, I mean, even if you say, well, they're just not getting open. Well, neither are the receivers, but they're getting the ball thrown to them. Plus that's not true. We've seen them come open. I don't know. It's a good question. We should have some of the media guys ask that question. Hey, why don't we ever throw to tight ends? It's kind of weird. Now I want to look that up. No, I guess it's not that Robert Tunyon is the 12th most targeted tight end. I mean, it's, it's not high but it's not like dead last or anything. He's been targeted 45 times. Number one is Travis Kelsey at 76, but then it drops to 65, very quickly down to 55. So maybe it's a perception thing. I'm not really sure. I don't have a good answer for you, Tom. I'm 0 for 2 for your questions here today. I apologize. Let's try another one. So I don't know what's going on today. Wacky Wednesday. Yeah, super Uh, crazy Wednesday, right? I'm popping in random thoughts. I know that we might have touched upon this earlier just throughout this year, but how does, and I know he has a thumb injury, but how does a back-to-back MVP drop so far? I, I just still can't wrap my head around it. Like, I know there's a bunch of changes, but this man has seen it before, multiple times. I, I just... Still can't wrap my head around it. Love to hear your thoughts. Bye. All I can think is it's just a, a pile of a lot of things all at once. Thumb injury is a part of it. Devontae leaving, MVS leaving is a part of it. The rookies not really having a firm understanding as well as guys that should have an understanding. Not you know The receivers in general not knowing what they're supposed to do is another thing. Um, the offensive line dysfunction is another thing. The complete lack of trust from Aaron Rodgers to anybody, which is a Rodgers problem as well as anybody else's, but um, that's a factor. 
the the scheme, the the whatever. I don't know, and I'm sure there's other stuff too, whether it's preparation, mindset, locker room, um, age, arthritis. I don't know. I, I I think there's a lot of different factors that all kind of came together, and it just kind of was a tipping point. You know, at some point, there's too many issues, and everything just kind of goes to crap. That's sort of my thought. I I don't think there's just one or two things that led to things being where they are. The world is a strange, strange, strange place. Yeah. I was listening to another podcast, <gasps> and they brought up uh, Homestar Runner oh, here and Strong Fan. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, is this an actual thing? Never knew about it before. Turns out it is a thing. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that information. So I thought I'd share it with people. All right. You know, Tom, you, you, you must have missed the episode, and maybe it was when you were away for a period of time, but um, I actually had that same thing happen to me. My wife told me about it, which is shocking, because she is not up on anything. Any, like, pop culture references, anything. This is like a YouTube show, and somehow she knew about it. I have no idea how she knew about it, but she did. She's like, oh, yeah. She's like, oh, that, that's so funny. That it's, oh, no, I think she said it sounds just like him. Like, sounds like who? So he sounds just like a home star runner or whatever. I'm like, that's a real person? Like, yeah, it's a show. you never seen it? Dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't know how anybody watches that garbage, but uh, yeah, that's how I came to realize. And then I felt horrible because it's like, of all people on planet Earth to know about this, and I don't, I must be the only one that doesn't. But turns out a lot of people don't. I still don't know how my wife knows about it. It blows my mind because I know it's not something she would ever watch. I, I, I want to go upstairs and just ask her, like, how did you know about that again? I don't remember the answer to the question. Hi. I was on Twitter, and uh, a person that I know, well, sort of know, uh, his name's JJ, sent me here. Um, and so I just want to give a shout-out to all the uh, Justin Field fan club uh, for sticking with your guy. I wouldn't, personally. But I'm I'm glad that you guys are... You know, so strong with him. I'm sorry, JJ sent you here to address the Justin Fields fan club. I'm sorry, I'm getting lost in the in the details of of the first part. But continue. Um, that you believe in him and want to give him a chance. I wish, I wish the fans of my team, the Packers, would do the same for either of their quarterbacks, regardless of how they play, because. I'm assuming a person of, with the vanity of Rogers, he listens to a lot of people, and it probably hurts his feelings a lot, and he probably gets in his own head. And Jordan Love hasn't had a chance. So you listen here, Justin Fields fan club. Member sent to, sent here by JJ. Uh, that, uh, JJ Leahy, uh, go follow him on Twitter. <laughs> no idea what's also going on. Also tell him your thoughts on the Justin Fields fan club, which this number is belonging to. All right, I'll check. Is this 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 number you're talking about is the Justin Fields fan? You're losing me today, Tom. I don't know if I maybe my brain's fried and I should end this, but but we've only got to take up a couple more calls. Um Yeah, the Justin Fields thing is is hilarious to me. Bears fans are doing all kinds of laps. Couple couple points on that. I get what you're saying as far as if Bears fans fans can trust what what is the word? I think my brain is fried. Can support Justin Fields why can't Packer fans trust Aaron Rodgers? Here's the thing. 
there's going to be a point at which they realize Justin Fields is not the guy. And I know, well, you still believe that? He's playing so good right now. Okay, we'll get there in a minute. There's going to be a point where they maybe recognize that. And guess what's going to happen at that moment? No support. This is not a fan base that is known for being kind to players that they don't like that aren't playing very well. They are ruthless and vicious and awful. Um, they just happen to believe, because they want to believe, that Justin Fields is great. I just want to go through this real quick. Justin Fields' grades have been going through the roof. If you look at his overall grade, here's how he started. 44, 40, 56. Since then, 67, 78, 58, 71, 72, and 79. Four out of his last five games, he's graded out in the 70s. So it looks like I was wrong all along. I I wasn't because I said it's entirely possible he turns around. Um, I also wasn't because, well, I'm not done yet. Here's the issue, though. Do you want to know what his passing grades have been this year? I'm going to read every single week. These are his passing grades via PFF. 34, 50, 48, 60, 56, 55, 62, 63, and 58. You know why his grades are higher? Here are his running grades. 65, 44, 70, 73, 92, 66, 75, 82, and 92. He has not had a single good game. He has had three games that were average, and that's it. His highest graded passing performance is a 63.5 against Dallas where he threw for 151 yards and two touchdowns with zero interceptions, one big-time throw. That was his best passing performance of the entire year. The guy has thrown for 200 yards once. 208 yards. That is the most he's thrown in a game. Period. The lowest was against Green Bay. He threw for 70. He's not doing anything. He's, he's averaging like 150 yards and, and uh, a touchdown and almost a, a, an interception a game. So, I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> again, stay hyped, I guess. I mean, they're, they're figuring something out. The offense is starting to click. But it's, it's the passing performance is not really improving for Justin Fields. It's not. So, in fact, last year he had a 60.8 overall passing grade. This year so far, a 51.7. It is significantly lower this year than it was last year. But his rushing grade went from a 72 to a 91. And so his overall grade has gone from a 64 to a 68. Congratulations. Throw a parade. I know that's not the point of you calling in. But I haven't talked about Justin Fields being trash in a while, and I feel the need to do that. I really don't know what it is about today that's got me so call happy. But I just want to say, win or lose, most of the fan base will boo, pretty much. And I I don't know. It's just, I know everybody wants the, the team to tank and go for a high draft pick, but I guess I just am prideful, and I don't want that. I know it's not good for the team to be middle of the pack. <laughs> middle of the pack. It's, 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 it's funny. Hush. Anyway, uh, I, I just don't want to see that. I'm okay if they're an 8-9 team, because that means you're right on the 500 line 
It's the worst possible thing you could ever be. And I can respect that. If the team falls down a chasm and somehow manages to get a top five pick, I want to just feel bad about it. I don't know. It's probably just that spoiledness that I, throughout my whole entire life, uh, know that the Packers are a good team or at least have one of the strongest quarterbacks in the league every year, each year. I don't know. I I just – the rebuild's going to feel really, really difficult to get past, and I'm not ready for that. So I'm going to stick true. I'm going to keep being positive. The Cowboys have not had good luck against the Packers. It's Mike McCarthy. He was on the chopping block last year. And look, and he turned it around. Matt LaFleur can do the same. Packers can beat the Cowboys. They've done in the past. I believe in it. And take that momentum to beat the Eagles somehow. I don't know. But I'm, I'm not completely out of it. Like I said, I'm probably as delusional as delusions can be, but I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep true to my heart. Lame. I love the Packers. I believe that this team, minus the injuries that just recently took place, have the potential to beat anybody. Not so much now, but mm-hmm. I think they can get lucky. I think they can get, uh, they can chalk up a few wins. And with the NFC the way it is, they might be able to sneak in. I know it's like, what, 18%, 12%, but I, I'm just going to hold that vote. All right. Last call for today. Bye. And um, for the record, he called back 45 minutes later, so that was not the last call for the day. But I am going to end it here. We're going very long, and also probably a good idea to start with Tom because – you know, start on a lighthearted note. I'm not going to elaborate on anything. I've been asking for different perspectives on how the season can go, and so I'm not going to argue with them. I'm just going to let that lie as it is. Tom, I appreciate the calls. Thank you, everybody, for calling in. We finally put a dent in this thing. We got 19 calls to get through in the next uh, in the next day or so. So um, we'll see. We'll, we'll do the best we can to get all caught up for the game day. But appreciate everybody. You guys have a great night. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye bye. 